Welcome to Abiding in Hope, a production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and St. Rose Radio. I'm Marianne Jepson, clinical counselor in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm Father John Sims Baker, pastor of St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Father, it is so great to be with you, as always. And um, this production now is between... It's a co-production between Columbus and Tennessee, Murfreesboro, which I never say correctly. But um, anyway, it's it's great to be doing this. We're doing it over Skype now, so it's something new for all of us here. So I'm excited to, uh, on this new adventure with you, Father. This is an adventure, and you did great saying Murfreesboro. I I'm very did proud not. Of you. you know it. You always make fun of me. <laughs> no, you did great. Did I really? Well, the people of Murfreesboro will be the judge of that, I guess, right? That's right. They already love you, Mary. Oh, they do. Listening to the program. Oh, that's sweet. Okay. Well, that's all good, Father. How about you start us off with prayer uh, before we really get started? That's the best idea. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we bless you and we glorify you, and we come before you. Very, very thankful uh, to be able to share in your uh, life and love, the life and love that you share with us, uh, and to share that with those who listen to this program and for those who have sent in questions. We ask you to bless this time to guide the answers, to open the hearts and ears of those who are listening today so that we all serve and glorify you together. And we ask all these prayers through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we, as always, ask for the intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was beautiful, Father. Thank you so much for that. And I really do want to give a shout out to all of the great people in Murfreesboro. Um, Father, you said they'd love me. They've been listening to the radio, our, our show, for a while now. And I want to just send that love back to them. We want you on board with us, people in Murfreesboro. We want you with us. So send in your questions to abidinginhope.com, and we so much welcome them and welcome you. Thank you, Marianne. It's really great. And I, uh, it's nice to have my connection with Columbus yes. continuing. So yes. I'm very excited about that. Well, we're excited about it here, too. We miss you greatly, but um, we're just happy to be able to do this show uh, to keep you with us. In spirit. Yes. You're in spirit with us anyway, but now we have your, your words of wisdom as well. So we're, we're so delighted about that. So are you ready for the big questions, Father? Sitting already, rocking, rocking on, on go. go. Okay, amen to that. So um, first question that we have to tackle today is one about baptism, the sacrament of baptism, which it's not so much a, a theological question or that sort of thing. It's more of a practical one, I guess, in a certain sense. And here we go. We recently had a baptism for children during the Sunday Mass. I noticed that the fathers of the children were the ones asked to light the candle from the already lit Paschal candle. Why is that? Why is it the father versus the mother or one of the godparents? 
Does the father being active in faith have long-term effects on the children? I think this one's going to go for you mostly, Father, so um, have at it. I may uh, tip off at the end a little bit. Okay, well, what I always like to do when we have questions about the liturgy, because that's essentially what this is, is a liturgical question, Uh is to um, uh, just go to the source and see what the church tells us to do. Good. Because that's, um, I remember when I was first ordained, I taught high school religion for a couple of years at Father Ryan High School in Nashville, and uh, I taught a course in the sacraments, and I remember at that time, this was, it's kind of hard to believe now, but it was when the catechism of the Catholic Church was still pretty new, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that was kind of an exciting thing to have. And so I remember memorizing with the students the definition of what a sacrament is, and it's more or less in these words from the catechism, um, a sacrament is an efficacious sign of grace, no, an, an efficacious sign instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is shared with us. Mm-hmm. And so the part I wanted to take from that is where it says, and entrusted to the church Jesus instituted all the sacraments while he was here on earth, including the sacrament of baptism. And then he entrusted those sacraments to the church. So if we want to know how we're supposed to carry out the sacraments so that we have assurance of receiving that divine life, that that sanctifying grace that God shares with us, then we want to do what the church tells us to do. Because Jesus entrusted the sacraments to the church. So we just can't make up, you know, whatever we want to do. So that, again, so long explanation of why I like to go and uh, see what the church tells us to do. And there's a funny little quotation that that you hear sometimes about things like this, uh, about the mass. But it could go for any any of the sacraments. It says to priests, it'll say, Say the black and do the red. <laughs> and that means <laughs> yeah. that means in the liturgical books, for example, I'm looking right now at the ritual for baptism. The words that are to be said are printed in black, and the instructions of what you're supposed to do are printed in red. <laughs> and those are called the rubrics because and that comes from 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 the Latin word for red, because they're usually printed in red. So say the black do the red. <laughs> and so when you go to the part about the candle at the, um, um, uh, in a baptismal liturgy, which is right after the, the baptism itself has happened, uh, and the, um, the anointing and then the clothing with the white garment, and then it just says, the next thing it says, that the priest um, takes the Easter candle and says, and so this is in the, that's part of the red, receive the light of Christ. And then the next instruction, the next rubric says, someone from the family, and then it says in parentheses, such as the father Mm. or godfather, close parentheses, lights the child's candle from the Easter candle. So um, there's some instruction there about... um, uh, it it says someone from the family. Mm-hmm. It doesn't indicate exactly who is it to be, but it, then it does sort of indicate maybe the father or godfather. And I think the reason why it suggests maybe the father or godfather is that typically, certainly not always, 
But typically, and not unu- it's not unusual, the mother and or the godmother is actually holding the baby. <laughs> oh, good point. Very practical, isn't it? That's and so, so true. You mm-hmm. got to give the guys mm-hmm. something to do, you know, otherwise they're just <laughs> standing there, you know, they might. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but I think that's the that might be the, the reason why it suggests perhaps the father or godfather would be good people to do this. Um, light the candle from the Easter candle. Um, and so, yes, but then and then this question is very good. Um, does the father being active in faith have lifelong effects on the children? Absolutely. And that is um, uh, actually indicated also in the baptismal ritual a little later on. At the very end of the, the baptismal ritual, there's a special blessing for the mother and for the father and for everybody who's there. And this is what the blessing for the father says. God is the giver of all life, human and divine. May he bless the father of this child. He and his wife will be the first teachers of their child in the ways of faith. May they also be the best of teachers, bearing witness to the faith by what they say and do in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm -hmm. And so this uh, role, especially of the father as a teacher of the faith, is brought out in the baptismal liturgy itself. And, you know, that's... I think I've read articles about, you know, you know, sociological sort of studies that had been done. And it's sort of, pro- you know, mm-hmm. not proven by that, but supported by that, that uh, in families where the father is active in his faith, um, the children are much more likely to be active in their faith as they grow into uh, being adults as well. Um, and, and so, yes, the father does have a very, uh, that does have long-term effects on the, on the children. The church seems to uh, have an an intuition of this, uh, in its own baptismal liturgy, focusing especially on the, the father as a teacher of the faith and that's recognized. And so that, um, that role of perhaps the father or godfather, lighting the child's baptismal candle from the paschal candle is a sign of being enlightened by the light of Christ. And and so it seems pretty, you know, very appropriate for that. Although, again, as it says in the instructions, not necessary that it be the father or godfather, but some member of the family who is who's present there for the baptism. I think that is just so interesting. And I'm really, really happy this question came in and happy that you gave that answer, the liturgical answer as you did, and then tying it together. Um, I think, you know, we're so blessed today that so many fathers are active in being teachers of the faith for their children. I think we're blessed in Columbus because we have these great conferences and things, um, men's conference and women's conferences and all, and that helps uh, grow the faith in people's lives, And it's, but especially in, in men's life. I see we're we're very blessed here in Columbus. I can't speak for there in your area, Father, but um, I'm sure that you know, we do see such a growth of men being active teachers of the faith for their children. In my work, I'll tell you one thing. I see the lack of 
father's involvement in the faith and in their children's lives far too often and what that causes in the in the children and in adulthood and mm-hmm. um and people seem if they've really lacked the loving care that a, a father who's involved as a teacher of the faith if if someone as a child or an adult lacks that love that the father has to spread the faith and to teach the faith it impacts so many areas of the child's life and on into adulthood whereas they tend to be seeking that what which they're missing um right. they may spend a lifetime uh, looking for that love in all the wrong places, so to right. speak. We've heard the you know the old song, "Looking for love in all the wrong places," and that's so often because the fathers haven't taken that baptismal promise seriously. Um, One of the things I would say to you, and because that is very true, and maybe a, a, a lot of our listeners right now m- might be in that in that situation. Maybe they did not have the active involvement of a loving. A human father in their lives or some sort of negative experience there. And I don't want to leave the impression, though, although it will be a struggle, you know, God really wants for the human family to be the place where we're formed in our um, really sort of also in our, our human and Christian identity. But not for, for not to be uh, hopeless, right? Yeah, and and not to go look for that love in those wrong places, as you so <laughs> eloquently mm-hmm. said, but to go to the heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the that's the thing that's so important to understand who we are, our fundamental. And this is again another. This is the primary effect of baptism, is that the heavenly Father adopts us as His children. On the day of your baptism, the heavenly Father says, "You are my child." with whom I am well pleased. And to to claim that identity, to go, and sometimes it's very hard, you know, because we don't necessarily see and hear the Heavenly Father uh, the way that, that we do, you know, in human relationships. But that doesn't make it any the less real. Um, it's our fundamental identity. And so keep going to the Heavenly Father. Claim your divine filiation, as it's called, your being a child of God, a a son or daughter of the Heavenly Father. And just remind yourself of that again and again again. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And that can give us that that same sense of confidence and peace uh, that, you know, it's beautiful to have from the love of of a human father as we grow up as children. And so go to that heavenly father. Uh, That's the greatest gift that God has ever given you is is Mm -hmm. letting you be called his child. So true. And so you are. I love that line from St. John. And so you are. Mm. And so you are. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And going to the heavenly father really is the only place to get the healing for all of those wounds, um, you know, throughout life. God can take this, whatever this is, this lack of... um, Love, if we can call it that, the seeking the love um, in in all the wrong places, or or just turning inward and um, being afraid to go out and seek. By going and seeking the Father, 
those wounds can be healed. And the grace that he gives is beyond anyone's imagination. You know, we have the earthly fathers, but they cannot give the grace that a heavenly father, our heavenly father can give. So thank you so much for that beautiful answer on that, Father. I uh, That's just, I don't know. Once again, you hit it out of the park. Well, it's um, nice when you have a nice slow pitch like that question. That was a great question. Oh, it really was a good one. Yeah, yeah. You get these great questions. You can uh, get great answers, I guess, huh? I, uh, we're listening to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and a co-production with St. Rose Radio in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And I apologize for the way I'm saying Murfreesboro, but we'll get it. We'll get it. You'll um, get there. You'll get there. I'm Marianne Jepson, clinical counselor in Columbus, Ohio, and... I'm Father John Sims Baker at St. Rose in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. All right, Father. And we have another question. Um, this question is probably it goes hand in hand, perhaps, um, somewhat with the first question. As Catholics, we are taught that praying is talking to God. Well... I need to talk to God more. How can I help increase my prayer life so I feel like I'm having more of a conversation? Well, that's another really, really good and really, really fundamental question. Actually, I don't think we could have had two more fundamental questions about really living your life of faith. If, if first of all, you know, claim, you know, claiming your identity as a child of God, and here, second, then deepening and nourishing and letting that relationship grow and mature through prayer. And this is one of these things that where we're taught as children, as this questioner says, um, though some of those answers sometimes are very good ones, that prayer is like talking to God. And that's really what it should be like. And unfortunately, and I, what I find is that, that children can also teach us how to do that <laughs> pretty well. You know, it's uh, uh, children seem to be able to talk to God. Sometimes as we've gotten older, We've sort of coached ourselves to, you know, this is the way you have to talk to God. You know, that we have to have, have sort of certain formulas or this or that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That can be perfectly fine, you know. But we also have to just be able to open up our heart to God uh, and, and speak to him. And, but, but our questioner is also right that, you know, it, it – it's hard to do. You know, even Jesus' apostles came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray as John taught his uh, disciples. We don't automatically know how to do it. Again, it's one of those things that since we don't, in a sense, speak to God the same way that we might speak to someone on a on a human level, like we're talking, Marianne, here on the wonders of technology. But, sure. uh, <laughs> but um. But that doesn't mean you still can't have this conversation. And I think the best way to do that, the most reliable way to do that, is to develop a habit of taking Scripture, which is the Word of God, which is God speaking to us, as a basis for our prayer. To take some passage from Scripture, perhaps from the Gospels. I just take the, the Gospel of the day, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, use that to read prayerfully, to do something sort of like Lexio Divina or something like that, where you prayerfully read, this, not just sort of speed read, but <laughs> prayerfully read and listen. 
And just ask yourself some simple questions that might lead you into that conversation. Because what you're wanting to do is not to do an analysis of the scriptures. I mean, scholars do that, and that's a great thing to do. But that's not really prayer, per se. What you want to do is to let the Word of God and sacred scripture open the door to a conversation with the Heavenly Father for you. you know. And so you can just maybe ask yourself some simple questions Questions sometimes open up a conversation. You know, if you if you're talking with somebody that, and you want to get into a conversation, usually we start with some questions, don't we? You know, mm-hmm. so what about like, do I understand what's going on in this passage? You know, like what is that word, or where is this happening, or who's in this scene? You know, who's talking? What's happening? You know, just things like that. Make sure you really have a vivid picture in your mind of of what's going on, you know, and that you understand it the best you can. And then maybe say, what, what do I, what do I see about Jesus? You know, what is he doing? Oh, he's working a miracle or he's teaching or he's passing by. I love that. So often in gospel passages, it'll start, and Jesus was passing by. Watch out if Jesus is passing by, you know, something good is about to happen. And so what is this showing me? Am I learning anything about Jesus? Is there something I want to ask him maybe? You know? And then you see right there, you're into a conversation. Or is there something in this passage, even though it was written a long time ago, uh, is there something that is kind of pertinent to my life right now? Is, is this saying something to me? Or is it saying something about my life or the world I live in? Well, then there's a place to start into a conversation. And maybe the best of all, I love this one, is like, what is it telling me about heaven and how to get there? I don't think we think about that enough. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but, you know, and you can say, wow, this is like, how is this helping me to get to my final destination? And so, um, so I think that that taking time, setting other things aside, placing yourself in the presence of God, opening up the word of God and listening to that. And entering into an interior dialogue and then let it go. You know, you don't have to stay, you know, just, you know, um, you know, chained down to some particular words or something. But, and then and let the conversation go, you know, yeah, yeah. and and also listen <laughs> and listen. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. You know, Father, I I love this, too. And um, one of the things that I find personally um, is in adoration. We have so many adoration chapels around, and there you are actually in the presence of Jesus Christ. He is there. He is there with you. And I know that for some people, they say, I don't know what to do there. I don't, I don't get it. I just really don't understand this. And I think, you know, you alluded to this in in maybe a, a a little bit of different wording, but I think that there's a certain amount of imagination, number one, mm-hmm. that has to, that can lead you into that, that this is Jesus. Even though I don't see a physical body with arms and a head and legs and all of that, knowing that this is Jesus and then imagining that physical body here with you and and what would you say to him because he is here 
just because mm-hmm. you can't see him as as you think a body looks like he is. That's the reality. So imagining that physical body and speaking to him as his child or as his brother or sister or whatever, and knowing that that is the king of the world. And what would you say to him? How would you speak to him in just an ordinary conversation and have that there? But then there are other times when it's like you say you don't need to get so entangled in the words. And I love what I believe it was Padre Pio when someone asked him, what he does when he's in adoration because he spent so many hours. It was either Padre Pio or St. John Vianney, I'm not sure, who said, I look at I think at I him. know where you're going. And I think it, it's St. It's John Vianney talking John. about an old man in his parish. Oh, and he says, I, well, he says, I look at him and he looks at me. Do That's you? right. Yeah. And, and so just being in the presence, he loves, that's a conversation just... It's a conversation of the heart. If you just go and you look at him and he looks at you and there's that love between you, that's the conversation of the heart. And so there's no need to get so tangled up in all kinds of words because he gets it all anyway. He, he knows it all. You know, even on the human level, I think that's, you know, I think of I, when I hear that quote, I just think of like maybe an old married couple who've been married yes, for many, many yes. years, you know, just sitting together. Mm-hmm. Maybe not saying anything, but just taking delight in being with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, you know, and and just like an old married couple, oftentimes you know what the other person is thinking. Um, you because you just know each other so well, mm-hmm. you can finish their sentences, that sort of thing. Um, how much more so can Jesus do that? And we get so worried about words and what am I supposed to do? Um, people, you know, have to do things with their fingers and, and all, whether it's writing or journaling or turning pages of prayer books or things. And and sometimes I feel like there's so much time that's spent in fussing about things and not enough time in just being. Yeah, but the best advice about prayer is just do it. Just do it. Yeah, whatever it is. Talk to him. So, Father, it's all good once again, and we're coming to an end of the show, and it's been so great having you with me. Are there any final words? Oh, it's just great. Um, Great to be, yeah, have this going, and um, maybe I could give a blessing. That's perfect. That's perfect. Please do. All right. Thank you. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so till next time, please be blessed and send your questions to abidinginhope.com. We look forward to having you with us next time. God bless.